Welcome to the Habits and Hustle Podcast, a podcast that uncovers the rituals, unspoken habits, and mindsets of extraordinary people. A podcast powered by Habit Nest. Now here's your host, Jennifer Cohen. So I had the extreme pleasure to sit down with Erica Nardini a little while back. Uh, for those of you who don't know who Erica is, she is the CEO of Barstool Sports. Barstool Sports is, no joke, probably the fastest growing lifestyle brand there is. It's a digital media juggernaut. And she's just so impressive and such a badass. Her uh, background and what she's doing now for Barstools is bar none, excuse the pun. Uh, you really should listen to this podcast if uh, you want to hear it. Hear some great, valuable tips and just overall business info from someone who is real, authentic, and will tell you exactly how it is. Stay tuned. So Dave Portnoy founded Barstool Sports in 2004 in Boston. Awesome. He's a brilliant, he's just brilliant. And he built it by himself. Uh, we, he says, and we now say a lot, you know, brick by brick, he had no funding, he had no help, he had no resources, but what he had was a really strong point of view. He had something to say. He was so funny. He was incredibly creative. He got really good, smart people to make content with him. Uh, and he did that. Uh, and I think it grew to be something, you know, he, he is an, it's a consummate promoter. He's the single best promoter I've ever met. And he just, you know, hand by hand, day by day, inch by inch, built this huge brand that in 2016 was, you know, arguably the single most influential brand in Massachusetts for young guys who like, you know, who like sports, uh, who like gambling, who, you know, were on the internet. And he took a majority stake or gave the Chernin Group a majority stake in 2016. I think they valued the company at $12.5 million. Um, and then I joined you know, fairly shortly thereafter, and we've just been at it ever since. Wow. Okay, so before I even get into your whole thing, yeah. what was his background even? Do you think that this would work, besides being a great promoter? He even I don't do. think he had any assurance it would work. He was a sales guy. He was just like some guy just selling. Yeah, he had a corporate job. He hated it. He was like, this sucks. I think he was probably always very funny. Was always very funny. He's a funny is funny. You yeah, know what I mean? You exactly. Either, either have you don't go to school for funny. Yeah, you, you don't go to school for funny. Yeah. You either have it or you don't. He had it. Um, and what he had was a crazy uh, work ethic. Wow. Crazy work ethic. And so he was, so he was building this literally brick by brick. So Trinan comes in. Now you were at AOL as a CMO, right? Chief Marketing I Officer? I had left. So yes, yeah, so I, I was the CMO of AOL. Um, I left, uh, I, I had worked for a long time to get that job. Um, and when I had it, I realized, oof, I don't really want to be a CMO anymore. Um, and I left to join a company in music and to help found a company in music called Backstage. And uh, the whole premise of Backstage was that music artists uh, should be able to connect to their fans directly. So one of the things that's happening in the internet is that all of the money, all of the data, all of the time spent, all of the eyeballs are going to Facebook mm -hmm. and Google, essentially. Uh, and there is nothing left over for anyone else. And they don't share the data. They don't share the money. They don't share the fans. But those companies are built on the back of creators and people like Dave or people you know, like Justin Bieber or Ariana Grande mm -hmm. or Coldplay or any, any artist. And the whole premise of Backstage was that artists should be able to go direct to consumer. They should be able to know who their fans are. Mm -hmm. They should be able to have a long-term relationship with those fans. They should uh, get compensated for all of the time spent and engagement that they're creating on those platforms and elsewhere. Um, and, and that they should be able to create, you know, incremental long-term revenue streams for themselves by virtue of the content they're creating, the attention they're bringing. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that was really the premise of, of Backstage. And I, I loved it. It was an awesome experience. I was on a plane for the majority of it between Los Angeles and New York. Um, really good learning. Like I, le I learned a tremendous amount um, and a lot of what in my head I modeled it on 
uh, was Barstool Sports because I was a big Patriots fan and I read, I'd lived in Boston for 10 years. I lived in Boston when Dave created it. And I remember my girlfriends and I would get, literally get Barstool Sports at the T station in Boston because we'd be like hung over on the train and just like looking to distract ourselves because we hated our jobs. <laughs> and, uh, so you were I, a fan, basically. I was a huge fan, oh, huge fan. Well, and, but Dave was really smart. Dave would write a blog about Tom Brady and Roger Goodell and Deflategate. And then at the bottom of it, he he was so smart, he created iconic t-shirts, essentially, that were funny and they meant something. And at the bottom of every article was an ad for the t-shirts. And I remember one Saturday morning, I think it was August 14th, 2015, or probably 2015, I guess, I read a huge blog by Dave, really long blog. And at the bottom of it was a free Brady t-shirt ad. Um, and I bought five t-shirts and I was like, this is it. Like I, I read something, I felt something, then I want to be something. I want to be part of what the message is. And in this case, it was free Tom Brady. Um, <laughs> And that was, you know, Dave was really brilliant about that. He did that from the second he created Barstool. And I felt like that's what music artists should be doing. I think influencers should be doing that. You should be doing that. Like anyone, you don't need a big company anymore to be something. Right. And I think that's so awesome. I know. I think that people, what they do is they, they don't have the confidence totally. to do it on their own, right? So they feel if they if they leverage a big brand yeah. or piggyback off a big brand. And I think you're right. Cause a lot of times when I I've done that so many yeah. times, cause with, with a lot of stuff I've done and it's actually backfired. Yeah. Right. And you know, cause once you actually go out on your own, there's so many other opportunities that, that kind of come, that from, come that. from that. And it's all about like going out there and being yeah. and doing it. And it's so terrifying. I mean, I feel like I, I've loved my career. I've, I've worked my ass off for, you know, 20 plus years, but I was way too safe. I was way too corporate. Like I, 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 I didn't break out. And I, you know, now I have, cause I took a massive, you know, jump to come to Barstool and I had, you know, taken a less seismic change leaving AOL and going to Backstage or any of the other startups I've been part a part of. But there really is something to like grabbing life by the balls and right. just going for it. But it's terrifying. And it's super it's terrifying. terrifying. So what made you finally like take that leap? I loved Barstool Sports and I knew that no one else or what I felt was that no one else saw just how big this thing was. Really? So you ha so you actually had that gut feeling. I, I, I knew it. I knew from, uh, you know, I knew from the minute I met Dave just how big this could be. I thought he was awesome. I wanted to work with him. Um, I would have taken the job for anything. Like. So how did it happen then? So I assumed because that when because of the churning group and all that AOL, that's how you kind of got yourself kind of within the whole group, but to kind of get the opportunity. No, I they, know you beat yeah. out like seventy five yeah. guys and yeah. all that. They um they had done a you know uh, the churning. So when the churning group invested in Barstool Sports, they uh, you know Mike Kearns, who was really you know. He he was also quite visionary, and he saw what he saw what Barstool could be, and what frankly it was, um, which was incredibly incredibly engaging. When you looked in 20, 2016 at Google Analytics, mm -hmm. and at the time it was the height of daily fantasy, you looked at time spent by as measured by Google, and people were spending I think forty five minutes a day and visited on average twenty two times a day, which is like gaming numbers. Those aren't media numbers. Like those are gaming numbers. And the Charon group saw that and they were smart. They hopped right on a plane. Right. They went and met with Dave. They're good people. And they said, Dave, what would you want to do? And Dave was like, look, I I would move everyone to New York. I would find someone to run this thing. Uh, I I know content. I want total control of the content. Um, and he's like, but I think that I need help in building a business. And they hired a recruiting firm. They interviewed a ton of people, all guys. Um, most of them, I'm sure, like had MBAs and yeah. worked in sports and like looked the part and had great jobs. And I'm sure they all, you know, have awesome jobs now. I'm sure, but. 
I think the thing with us is that, and the thing with Dave in particular, is that it's just all gut. And when we met, it was right. Really? Yeah, it was just right. And so like from transitioning from a mark, like, you know, chief of marketing to like the CEO position, mm-hmm. what are the qualities about you that kind of help you do that? And to be, I'd be so successful with it. Uh, I've worked really, really hard and we have really done nothing but work for the last three and a half years, truly. Um, I think when I left AOL, I went to be the president and chief revenue officer of Backstage. So I I was already moving out of marketing. You know, honestly, I brought every weapon I had in my arsenal to Barstool. Like I'd worked at Microsoft, I'd worked at Yahoo, I'd worked in, you know, I helped take uh, a company called Demand Media Public, which was based on Google. Right, right. I'd worked at a bunch of ad agencies. I worked at Fidelity. Like I literally, whatever weapon I had, I was like, I'm going to use it for this thing. Right. And the, it prepared you by doing so there many were so different many things. different things, yeah. and I it was drawing on different things, you know, all the time. Um, and mostly, we just felt our way through it. Like we really just felt our way. We just felt our way through it. We worked really hard. Uh, we were, uh, we created an environment where that was creatively free. So, you know, I describe it sometimes of like, I just wanted to bubble wrap the talent. There were 12 of them at the time that I wanted to bubble wrap that and build a business around them, hopefully without them even knowing. Right. Because I think when people start to be worried about the advertisers or True. worried about what Facebook thinks of their content or it, it brings negativity and a desire for approval from someone else. Um, And I think that's really dangerous for a creative person. When when you're looking for approval, it makes you change what you're making. So how do you guys find your talent? How do you guys, like, what do you, like, what do you do? I want to know what you do every day to make this brand like it is. Besides, I I love it. I, besides Big Cat, Big Cat propels himself. And most of them propel themselves. Like, you know, the difference with us is that if you go to a normal company, uh, you know, you go to a Bleacher Report, you go to ESPN, you go to Mm -hmm. Fox, you go to NBC, you go to Vice, you go wherever, it doesn't matter. You're going to have some person who's a business person or a producer or production person say, I have an idea for a show Mm -hmm. and I'm going to cast a pretty white woman, a person of color and a white guy. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to have them sit at a desk and this is what the show is going to be about and this is how long it's going to be and this is where it's going to fit and here's the script and then we're going to put the people in the places and and we're going to package something up and put it on the air. And when you look at traditional media, they don't have that much air. Mm -hmm. They have a limited amount of time. They have one schedule. We're a company that is going bananas every day because we don't know limit. We don't, we're from the internet. The internet doesn't have a beginning and an end. It doesn't have one lane. There's a, there's unlimited lanes on the internet. So the people who succeed here and the type of talent we create and the type of culture that we have are people who don't see limits almost uh, in their creativity. We don't say, you know, we, we've done this actually once. We did, we had one instance where we, you know, we had our first uh, radio deal with Sirius XM and the Sirius people were like, hey, maybe you should get some grownups and maybe you should like get some people who know what they're doing and have been on the radio before. Because I'd never done radio before. David never done radio before really. So we were like, all right, well, I guess we'll do that. And what we found was that the people who came from traditional media couldn't operate in our culture because right. we don't do one thing at one time. We have people who, you know, I'll give an example. I was talking to Riggs. Riggs is, when I got to Barstool, uh, Riggs is from St. Louis. He went to Harvard and he was the Harvard politics guy. He was a blogger. And this was in 2016. In 2020, Riggs has a top three golf podcast. He's created an amateur golf tour. He's created a whole line oh of merchandise. Gosh. You know, he he hosts our number one flagship radio show. Now, that wasn't because we sat down and said, Riggs, what's your four-year plan? And where are you going, Riggs? Right. It just <laughs> happened organically. And that's, you know, if you look at, you know, another example, we have these two really phenomenally talented women um, and they have a show called Chicks in the Office, Rhea and Fran. We hired Rhea and Fran 
in 2016 as interns. They didn't know each other. Rhea was, I think, in nursing or dental school. Fran was also in college. Um, we, two different guys, brought them in as their interns. Fran liked sports. Rhea, not so much. We had a merchandise closet downstairs where we put all the boxes of merch that we were creating. And we had no studio space. We had run out of, we had outgrown our office already. And we had no place to film or shoot. And so we said, you know what? Like, actually, we didn't even say. They, they, these women just went down into the merch closet and they started to create a show called Chicks in the Office. And Chicks in the Office was what the barstool guys would yell when a woman showed up because there were no women when I got there. So they'd be like, Chicks in the Office. <laughs> and everyone's like, that's so sexist. And I'm like, yeah, maybe. But these two women just chose it as their brand. Yeah. And that's, what I think, what's awesome for women right now is they're choosing stereotypes and they're making them their own. So Rhea and France set about making a show created a one-minute show every day on Instagram. It was awesome. They crushed it. They had graphics. They had an awesome producer. It was a guy uh, named Noah. And he and they built this juggernaut of a daily entertainment show. Zero production budget. They filmed it in a merchandise closet. They didn't ask permission. They just started doing it. And then we were like, hey, you guys are really on to something. Why don't you create a podcast? So they created a podcast. We said, why don't you do a radio show? And so they had a radio show. The day before they went on, I actually think the day that they went on radio for the first time, they came up to me. I think Fran came up to me and was like, I've, I, I've never been on the radio. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how to do radio. Yeah. And I was like, well, I don't know how to do radio either. So why don't you just go in there? The mic is on and just start talking. And that's how we did it. And now they have another show on Snapchat called The Group Chat and they're on fire. They're, you know, Rhea's part of our TikTok squad. So they, they've just organically really grown. And the thing that's been frustrating for me in the process is I remember um, getting in this long involved fight with Snapchat uh, because we wanted to have a Chicks in the Office show on Snapchat. Yeah. And the Snapchat guys, guys were like, that's sexist to have a show called Chicks in the Office. You cannot have a show called Chicks in the Office. And so I was like, okay, so let me get this 100% straight that you want me to go tell two women who created the show and who created the brand that they cannot use the brand that they created because it's sexist. Like that's bullshit. Right. So Because they're scared. Snapchat guys are scared that it's going to backlash They're scared on that them. somebody's yeah. going to be like, oh, Barstool Sports is a show called Chicks in the Office. Like whatever. Like, and right. we'll get past that. And I don't care. I actually think it's like fine. But it's, it's just funny. So I, I think that we've just organically grown and we've fought for ourselves every single step of the way. And we've held true... You know, so I was like, okay, fine. We're not going to have a show on Snapchat. Like, we're not going to change the brand. Right. Like, right, right, right. So to accommodate like, that. Like, okay, you don't want us on your air because two women creating, you know, like, I can't think of something more sexist than telling women that their show that they created, they cannot use. Like, I just won't do that. Right. And also, like I said, like, I think a lot of it's fear-based because not necessarily because those two guys think that way, but they no, think, they, oh, they, they actually agreed. They were like, it's a great name of show. It's right. a great brand. I'm like, why wouldn't you want this brand? They're, but they're afraid of what women will say about right. them for having a show called Chicks in the Office that that two white men greenlit, you know? Exactly. So it would be like, it would be, there'd be too much backlash. Yeah. That's why yep. every other brand or other company, like yep. to your point, is so scared of like, you know, stepping that they don't yep. step and they're yep. so like apprehensive. Yeah, right. And then you're paralyzed. And then you're paralyzed. Yep. And then you don't become like, you don't, be, you don't become like a, an actually organic brand yes. that people yep. care about yep. because it's so white bread watered down, yep. you know? And that's why you're probably so, like, that's why you guys are so successful. It's cool, thanks. And, you know, you're welcome. And like, so how do you normally, besides those girls, of yep. course, who are like, we're interns, yep. how do you normally find talent? Uh, on the internet, always on the internet. So like, so, like what, people are constantly- you, uh, People send us- Shit all the time, uh, I'm sure. Out of control. Right. Yeah, like thousands and thousands and thousands of, of DMs. Um, we have really talented people at Barstool and the single- most valuable people are the people who understand how to watch the internet and to make content for the internet. And these guys and girls, they're just watching all the time what's popping. Yeah. And they what's, see it. Yeah. Like, who's working? Like, who's breaking through? Like, we found this woman um, named Ellie Schnitt. And Ellie Schnitt is she's maybe 22. I would say she's in her early 20s. Uh, she had graduated from college. She was a nanny. 
Um, we started seeing her on Twitter. Our guys started seeing her on Twitter and we're like, there's something to this girl. There's something to this girl. And the reason they said that is she would tweet and she, she was like the queen of sorority Twitter is how I would describe mm-hmm. Ellie at the time. And she would tweet and it would have 15,000 likes. This in a matter of hours. Ellie was just electric on Twitter. Wow. They DM'd her and said, hey, like we're Barstool Sports. Like, would you ever want to have a, could we have you come into the office and meet us? And would you ever want to work here? And I think Ellie probably at the time, she was nannying. She probably was like, I'm going to have go have to get a real job so I can pay rent and right. move out of my parents' house or whatever in <laughs> Chicago. And now she has a top podcast. She is just a breakthrough personality for us. What's the podcast called? Is her name? Uh, it's called Schnitt Talk. Oh, I saw that on your yeah. network. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. That's cute. a great yeah, she's name. She's awesome. She's a great name. That's a great But name. like Ellie, talk. I don't think two years ago would have been like, I'm going to have a podcast and be a personality at Barstool Sports. Right. Like ever. Right. That's amazing. Yeah, it's cool. She's the best. That's a great one. So there's like, so how, what is, so that, is it just her talking like shit? Yeah, or she has schnitz? a co-host. Her co-host is a woman named Alana. We hired Alana as a graphics editor for the Snapchat show uh, for the chicks in the office, which didn't actually end up getting made. <laughs> so Alana had nothing to do. And so Ellie and Alana kind of hit it off. And then Alana became the co-host of of Schnitt Talk. Oh my God, that's hilarious. So, but that's like, you don't like, there was no plan. It was like, uh, like they like each other. Alana doesn't have a lot to do right now. And let's put them together let's and see how together. the show goes. That's or amazing. they put themselves together. It wasn't even let's put them together. They were like, we want to do the show together. We're doing the show together. Oh my God, that's hilarious. So it's funny. That's a great name too. Yeah, Schnitt Talk is a great name. Wow. Okay, so then, so besides, okay, so, so basically you have people who are like basically finding these people yeah. who have already- In addition to other jobs, like we don't have a- talent development group at right. Barstool like, Sports. We don't you do is like, no, is nobody normal. has one right. job. Right. Like nobody has one job. So our social guys, in addition to posting all of our content, we have 800 social accounts. We post 500,000 pieces of content a year are looking for people on the internet because they're staring at their phones and they're on the internet yeah. all day. Constantly. I mean, that's what people do now. Yeah. That's all they yeah, do, that's right? That's all they do. Yeah. So then, so besides, so basically of all those areas, what would be the most pop, what's the most popular part of Barstool's? Oh, it's hard because it's different. Um, there's so many different parts. Like our socials really, really popular. Um, the pizza thing is very popular. One bite is insane. Yeah. I mean, we have the single largest database of pizza in the world. Who would have thought that would? Like, I mean, it's yeah, like, like, we so like we're going to get into the food category. We don't even say we're in the food category. Dave Portnoy literally moved to New York City <laughs> and was like, I'm, I love pizza. He's always loved pizza. He'd done, a, you know, maybe three pizza reviews. He's blindingly funny, like electrically funny. And there's something mesmerizing about watching this guy say he's going to take one bite of a piece of pizza and shovel like 17 bites in his mouth. It's really funny. So pizza reviews are doing millions of views. Yeah. And we post that every Um, single day of the week. So it's, that's a juggernaut. Part of my take's a juggernaut. Like there's, we got a lot of juggernauts. See, the thing is, I've also find like you're, you would tell me like once you already have traction, it's really, it's much easier to, the, the yes. momentum. Once you, once you have it, it's easier to maintain it. What do people, like, not like you, I know you know, you won't know, maybe you don't know this, but like, how do people even like start that, right? Because I mean, you need, it's like you need money to make money. You need momentum yeah. to get momentum, right? Like, I think that anyone can do what we I think there's only one Barstool Sports. There's never going to be another Barstool Sports. Um, The reason there's never going to be another Barstool Sports is because of Dave. So in the internet, when, you know, everyone like me was buying traffic, trading links, syndicating video, all this shit on the internet, which really amounted to a lot of numbers on slides for advertisers, but never converted to humans, Dave held everything. Right. He held it to himself. He held it to Barstool. So, and he knew, uh, you know, hey, you could say that I have a thousand, you know, or you could say I have 10,000 hits or 50,000 views, but I know if I have a hundred people, I can sell a hundred t-shirts. Right. And I only want, I want to sell t-shirts. So a hundred people matters more to me than a fictitious number in the thousands. Absolutely. So and it's, a, it's a true authentic engagement. Completely. And also at that time, 
there wasn't as much competition and fragmentation. Like if you mm-hmm. look in the, in the yeah. 2000s, like he, Dave told me a story once about how he used to do the show called Chat Roulette where he would just like talk to random people on the internet and on video. And so he's so funny. But then the other things where he would be able to find a story and sit on it for a week. And now there's so much competition on the internet. You can't sit on anything for 15 minutes, let alone a week. So that's why there'll be never anything like Barstool because he was able to build a really loyal big brand in a time when there was less competition. And anyone who's creating something now, you're creating it in competition. Um, And what I think, you know, what I think is possible for people is that like, if you have an idea and you have a point of view, we, we never had any money. When I got to Barstool Sports, I think our best at our like highest point in 2016, we had $2 million in the bank, which I'm sure to a, a one person is a lot. If you look at, we were going up against ESPN that probably, I don't even know how much money they had yeah, in the bank, I but mean, it's way more than $2 million. Well, it's part of Disney, right? So totally. It's like, it's like, <laughs> but we just started to post all the time. We made content all the time. We shared opinion all the time. And so I think anyone can do this. I think you just have to have something to say you have to believe in you have to believe in it you have to be able to get through the hate on it which mm-hmm. is people are going to shit all over you um and you got you can't let that get to you and then you need to keep you have to be super consistent and also like i was curious like when someone like comes in and and you know buys a big chunk even as part of your deal, then no, the, the actual content they have no control of it, right? Like, yeah, they don't own, so, they don't control bar. Penn National doesn't control bar. Right, so sports. you guys have all creative control. We do. That's part of the deal, I would imagine. That's, and that's what they want, right, exactly. which is they don't know anything about running a. I don't know anything about running a casino. That would be like you're not going to put me in charge of a casino. I would have zero idea what to do. Well, you'd do. figure it out. We I would. Think. I would. Yeah, we could figure, figure it out. It they out. could probably figure out a, a media business too, but. We are two separate companies right. today. We've taken their investment. The Penn National guys are awesome. Uh, they'll sit on our stock. board. <laughs> yeah, we do. Um, you actually, you, yes, yes, I do. Okay, good, um, good, good. But they, you know, there are there are places where we'll have to evolve. We've had to evolve a lot in the last, you know, three and a half years. Like Me Too wasn't a thing in 2016. PC culture wasn't really a right. thing in 2016. Like the Trump election changed everything. And and so we've had to evolve a lot. We're going to have to evolve more. Penn National is a publicly traded company. They are in a highly, the you know, one of the most regulated spaces in the United States. We got to learn how to make content for that. Um, and it's going to have rules that we've never had before and disclosures we didn't know about. So we're going to figure it out, but we're going to figure it out in our way. Right. And then like, so I want to get back to you for a minute. What? So give me a day in the life. What do you do? Um, okay. I, uh, what do I do? I do a lot. I, what time do you wake up? I wake up at 7am. Okay. Always 7am. Usually. Okay. Yep. Uh, do you still travel a ton? Not as much. Um, I have been traveling as of late, but, um, not like I used to. So I get up at seven. I don't check my phone right away. Like I get dressed. I like get out of my house. I walk to the train um, you don't I, eat breakfast or no, work out or no, I'm meditate ex- and all that no, other stuff I don't stuff do that people any of that shit. No, I, like I remember being on a panel once and ev- the question was like, it was like successful people and yes. what's your workout? And I was like, I'm usually like had too much red wine the night before. I'm hungover, dehydrated and t- I hate water. Like I'm dehydrated and tired. <laughs> um, like, awesome. I love like a large red eye coffee with a ton of cream in it. I'll nurse that until you know, <laughs> mid-afternoon. Uh, so so I, I get to work. I am on my phone all the time. Um, so you get to work at what time then? About- I get to work. It depends like on a day where I like, I, early I get to, unless I have something, I get to work. Best case scenario is like 8.45. Okay. More likely I get to work by like 9.30. Okay. I work from the minute I get... Um, the minute I get on the train, I just am it takes always you two thinking. Hours to get to work, you I live far from work. It doesn't take oh. me two hours, but like from like wake up to get to the office, right. um, I have started walking. I now walk 
to the office from Grand oh. Central Station, which is good for me. Um, That's exercise. So you do exercise. Yeah, I do exercise. I play hockey. Um, you play I hockey? To work out. Yeah, I'm learning how to play hockey, uh, which I love. Um, You're learning to play yeah. hockey. In July, I That's was. That's unique. Yeah, it's an awesome I have, sport. I, I love it. I'm Canadian. You're, t- oh, you're you preaching are? to the converted. Oh, I love yes. that. I love hockey. So it's the I, best. I love hockey too. I mm-hmm. used to play floor hockey. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. You could play hockey easily then. Oh, I love hockey. Mm-hmm. I've never had anybody ever say to me, especially a girl, you know, I'm taking up hockey. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Like I'm it's always like- I'm taking up hockey. I love it. Or, I'm obsessed. Yeah, no, it's like tennis or golf. Yoga. Like, no, yeah, no, I have zero interest in yoga. Me too. Um, you and I could be friends, Yeah, we I could think. be friends. This is fun. Yeah. This, this is just the beginning. Yeah. Um, this is good. So then I- Are you doing floor hockey or ice no, hockey? No, ice hockey. So you, are you learning how to actually skate? Yes. I, I did, had never really skated before July of this past year. See, that's super hard as an adult to it learn. It is, but it's really good for you. Oh, it's amazing. I think it actually has done like so much for me personally. It's the, you know, so I at the beginning I was skating probably four times a week and it was, and it was off getting ice, as you know, it's, this isn't a problem in Canada, but it's a huge issue and you can't get ice time, especially if you're not, you know, on a team yes, or I, you're, it's, it's very competitive to get ice time. So I was skating at like, five in the morning or more likely like 10.30 at night. Uh, oh, wow. An awesome coach. And I um, just like gritted my way through it, like figured it out. But it was the one, um, it was like the one hour of time every day that, or every time I skated that I could not use my phone. Mm-hmm. And you have to concentrate. It's It really hurts to fall mm-hmm. on the ice. Like, so you, and it's hard because your brain... When you're an adult, I think it's harder to learn new things. Like you get more rigid, I right. think. And to learn something new, like how to do a crossover in hockey was so hard for me. Like I chipped away at that crossover for months and it was really hard for me. Um because I didn't, I couldn't figure out my brain how to do it. And I would obsess about it. I'd be like on the train the next day and be like, shit, I should have really done this with my outside edge versus that. Like, so it's it's really opened up a lot for me where one, it's like a, it's a very relaxing, it's not relaxing in the moment, but it's very calming. And then two is like, it's good for me to chew on something. Like I've been chewing on Barstool Sports now for three and a half years. It's good to chew on something else. Yeah. Um, so now I play in like a men's league oh my God, I on love Sunday it. nights. Like I play with a bunch of cops who are awesome. I love them. This is amazing. Uh, and you have all the gear on? You have all the gear. Because the gear is like the hard thing too. Oh, it's the worst. It's, like, it's yeah. the worst. Yeah. That's why a lot of people yeah. are like, oh, the gear back yeah, the gear. on and off yep. and you get sweaty in the yeah, gear. Yeah, totally. You stink. Like the gear stinks. The, my gloves stink. Exactly. Like, yeah. It's a whole getup. It's not cute. You do not look cute no. when you're playing hockey. Like it's, you look like you have like a big dump in your pants. And yes, like exactly. Huge. Like it's not cute. Um, but it's been awesome. I when I started skating, I had with this guy Mike Grinnell, who is the producer of Fit and Chicklets, which is the number one hockey podcast, which is awesome. He gave me his dad's a hockey coach. He gave me all his stuff from high school. So I had his like elbow pads from high school. I had like his chest protector, his shin guards. I love that. And I can that give you a bunch of I stuff had. too. Yeah, it's awesome. And then Bauer was like, do you want some stuff? And I was like, yes, please. That is amazing. <laughs> I, I would never have guessed that, especially yeah. also Americans. They don't, like hockey's not a big deal no, here, you know. No. Forget about girl or yeah. even guy. That's yeah. that's big. Becoming a bigger deal, but not. Yeah, but it's not, not like football. No, no, I agree. Not even close. Yeah. You know, like I, I have a couple of friends, you know, Canadians yeah. who live in LA, and like they go play hockey yeah. all the time, and they take their kids to play yeah. hockey, and I want to take my kids, yeah, totally. but like. It's like, no one's like, they're like, what? Take your kid to yeah, hockey? Yeah, totally. Like soccer or basketball or something exactly. easier. Exactly, something yeah. easier. Because yeah. like you said, also the time it takes because yeah. of the ice. It's a pain in the ass. It's a, it's yeah. a pain in the ass. But it's a great sport. It and, is an awesome sport. And people, it's so underrated mm-hmm. here. It's I yeah. love that you do yeah. that. Yeah, it's so fun. I love it. It's like the single best thing that I've done. Like, it's awesome. Awesome. Okay, so then what else? So besides oh, okay. So then I'm like, I have a very tight calendar. I like to be meeting with people or doing something at all times. I do not like, like, if I don't have a packed day where I'm moving stuff forward and meeting with people and making things happen, I get like, I, I don't like it. Right. I think that I spend, I like to think at night or I like to think on my commute or chew on things on the weekends or like if I go for a run or something like that. But during the day, 
during the week, I want to make like as much I can humanly possibly make happen in a day. That's amazing. So what do you work at? Like, give me an example. Are you doing like strategic partnerships? Oh, like Are I'll you- be meeting with, like I say yes, like <laughs> I say yes to really, I'll meet with most anyone. Good. Like, so then I always people are going to call you all day now. <laughs> yeah, probably, I don't know. But like, I want to meet with my team. I'll want to meet, you know, I like to keep, my hands and like, what's happening here at this company? Like, what are we doing right? What do we have to fix? Uh, what are we doing wrong? You know, like we're at the Super Bowl. I woke up this morning at six and I had this panic because we have a huge party tonight. We have a huge live event. I haven't seen a lot in my email on it in the last like day and a half. So I'm like, all right, well, what are we, what are we doing? Like, do we have our shit together for right. tonight? So I'm like, all right, where are we on this? Where are we on this? Where are we on this? Which is probably annoying. Um, to people who work here, which I understand, like I can like crawl up your ass and sit there for a very long time. Like it's right. right. (laughs) Which I I realize people don't like, but then, but I'm like, we need to do this. Like we have all like, we're in this hotel in Miami and we have, I don't know, like a thousand, 1500 t-shirts, sweatshirts, jackets, all this shit lying around all this hotel. And I'm like, I know what's going to happen. It's Friday today. Um, on Saturday morning, everybody's like going to be hungover. They're going to like get up, get on their flight, and they're going to leave all of our crap all over this hotel. So, and I'm like, we can't do that. Right. So, like, who's doing what? So, it's anything from like, what are we doing really tactically like that to, you know, hey, what's the future of local sports radio? And, you know, we have taken a big investment from a company in the sports betting space. Sports betting is going to be legalized on a state-by-state basis. I want to be the brand when, you know, something happens in Michigan Mm -hmm. and sports betting becomes legal in Michigan. Who are my, who are our Michigan guys? Like, what are we doing that covers Michigan sports? Now, Dave's from Michigan, you know, Dave went to Michigan, so we've got a natural advantage there. But how do we think about what we're doing in knowing what's changing in the world. Like another example is, you know, Instagram is really changing. Like Instagram, what works on Instagram, what Instagram likes, what Facebook likes changes all the time. And so I spend a lot of time thinking, one, I want to meet with Instagram. Two, I want to meet with our crew that works on Instagram because I think they know more than sometimes the Instagram Instagram, people do. Um, Then I want to think about like, okay, so this is what's happening on Instagram. What does that mean for Barstool Sports? Like, what's that mean for us? Like, should we spend more time there? Should we spend less time there? Should we spend more time on TikTok? Like, what should we be doing understanding what's happening everywhere else. Right. So you do a lot of macro, but you do a lot of micro. Yeah, totally. I'm a big, like, I'm all over the place. You do both. But like a lot of CEOs don't, like, they don't care about the minutia, right? I, and you do. Yeah. I love minutia. Yeah. I, I love, like one of the hardest things I always had as a manager was like, I just want to be next to the people doing the right. stuff. I wasn't ever good at the people who took all their team's work and packaged it up and then presented it to you in a way that they thought you wanted to see it. I hate that. I like yeah. literally, what a fucking waste of time. Absolutely. So I'm like, I just want to talk to the person doing it and right. like, what do they know and what do they learn? And what are they seeing? And like, so I, I'm more like that. Um, like the detail. I, I just want and to understand like, stuff. what are you seeing? Yeah. Cause it's like, I don't want you to tell me what you're seeing. Cause you think in a way that you think I'm going to like it, or I don't like that. I think that means like, I'm not doing that person any justice or service. I'm not doing our company any service, but I think a lot of companies frankly work that way where they spend so much time on the packaging of information about the company, about the industry, about the category for executives within that company. I think that's like such a colossal waste of time. Um, The other thing is uh, I think a lot of CEOs they only want to operate at like a quote unquote executive level. Mm-hmm. Like they don't want to be with the people. Right. And like, I want to be with people. They're elitist is what it is. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's like, I remember our CRO is a woman named Deirdre Lester and she, she's amazing. Um, she worked at a bunch of companies and, you know, one of her first things when she got here, I was like, how's it going? And she's like, God, you're like very like involved and in understanding of the business and um, hands-on. And right, she's hands like, on. I've had three CEOs that like couldn't tell you what advertisers were working with or couldn't tell you, you know, what the problems were in the sales org. So it's like, 
I just think you're not a good, you're, you could be a better CEO if you understood what's happening on a ground level at your company. Absolutely. So I was curious, what do you think of TikTok? Is TikTok now going to be, is Instagram not going to be obsolete, obviously, yeah. but you know how like with Facebook, yeah. when all the old people went to Facebook, mm-hmm. all the kids left mm-hmm. and they went to Instagram. Now mm-hmm. I feel like all the old people, when I say old, like not 10, yeah, yeah. you know, are now on Instagram. Yeah. Are they all going to TikTok? No, the old people are not going to go to TikTok. Right, the people are, so- Or so, now, for now. TikTok's it. TikTok is awesome. I think they have, as a company, some regulatory issues in the US, like the the that it's from China, I think is an issue for a lot of people. There's a lot of probably very legitimate concern with that. They have some hurdles to jump through. As a consumer platform, it is breathtaking how fast they're growing. Just absolutely breathtaking. And I think what's happening is- Facebook is exerting more control over Instagram. Facebook is making Instagram more like Facebook. The young people don't like that because young people don't like Facebook. At the same time, Instagram needs to monetize. So you're going to find, I mean, you probably see this now, like Mm -hmm. there's more ads, there's... Like there's more ads, there's less content. Like it's so it's, I think Instagram is changing. Um, I think the ways that they're changing are becoming more conservative. Mm -hmm. I think that TikTok is a platform that is extremely wild and free. And that's what youth likes. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, to how much, like, are you guys now gearing mostly towards? Not mostly. Like, Instagram is a juggernaut of a platform. Like, and I don't mean to be, like, we love Instagram. Like, we're on it all the time. We see it change, but it's also a really, really important platform for us. Um, It, it, you know, we're on Facebook, we're on YouTube, we're on Google, we're on Twitter, everything. We're on Snapchat, (laughs) we're on everything, but we have eyes for TikTok. Wow. Okay. Like yeah. Because people are like, oh, Instagram. I mean, for but for people like my generation, yeah. right? For me, I, I'm like, I don't know. I don't, wouldn't even know where I begin on TikTok. Oh like, God. I'm not going to make a dance video. So like that's out. Besides doing, yeah, I was going to say, besides doing a dance video, what do people even do? I'm like such an old person, I guess. I like, think what it's do like do on snippets of your life. Like it's just the way, you know, like I, have, I was having an interesting conversation with Dave about it yesterday. Like his observation was that you when you see a video on TikTok, there's always a moment where you kind of break the frame mm. and it's a little imperfect. So it's like a short, very short like snippet of like what's happening, but something's imperfect. Yes. And there's always a, gl- a glimpse. And maybe that's why it's doing well because again, it's, it's real. Kind of, it's just like weird. It's like barstool-esque in yeah, a it way, is. It's right? It's just a little weird. It's like because quirky. It is quirky. Yeah. And that's what I think what, what works because yeah. with Instagram, Everyone's life is yeah, like it's the, so perfect. It's, it's like oh, everyone's on vacation and exactly, oh, you know, like and the filters, my family's so perfect and like it's, like TikTok is not that. Oh, it's not at all. And yeah. I think I think once that I, th- I think when it's smoothed out, like yeah. like it has on Facebook and on Instagram, yeah. it becomes like not passe, but yeah, not, you're like yeah, you're next scrolling exactly yeah. next. And so okay, so then what is like so. How do you work on the weekends? Do you work at night? What's- I work at, during the week. I work all the time, and I do not work on the weekends. So, what time do you get home at night? I get home. Cause you have a family too. Yep, I get home at like seven thirty, and then like I hang out, um, and then I get back to work. You go back to work, mm-hmm. or you- not in the office, but I'm on my phone uh, at night. Mm-hmm. So it's really basically your rule is just not on the weekend. I don't work really on the weekends. I don't like to work on the weekends. I'm tired by the time the weekend yeah. shows up. I want to have a weekend. Right. Um, I hated, like when I worked at big companies, there was always like the Sunday scaries where like the emails would start flying yes. at like 7.45. On, and I was like, I fucking hate this. Like, I just want to have my Sunday night. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't like to do that. Now we... We often work on weekends because we've got a live event or, or this, a show yeah. or something. So when we're working on a weekend, you're working on a weekend. But if it's a random weekend in July, like I'm at the beach. Right. You are. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. So you like you try like you actually like take it off and you're able to kind of shut down your yeah, brain definitely. and not do it. Yeah, definitely. That's amazing. Okay. So can we talk really quickly about like next steps for you? Yeah. And what you want to do? Yeah. Okay. So what am I doing? The floor is yours. Oh, I'm going to do a little more of this. I'm flirting yeah. with a podcast, so flirting. I'd like to have a podcast. Um, what made you want to do a podcast? I didn't really want... I don't know that I would be a good podcaster. I, I also am... 
respectful that we have a company full of brilliant, brilliant podcasters. I think the worst thing is like people who shouldn't be content people trying to be content people. But one of the things that's been really frustrating for me personally at Barstool is I just rarely get, I rare, I don't always have an interview or a conversation like this. Like you're very open, you're curious, you want to, you. you want to learn, like you want to share. Like most times when I do an interview, it's, it's, my words are in the context of somebody else's opinion. And my words are in the context of somebody else's opinion on the company that I run, the brand that has been around since 2003, or their opinion of a person who's really important to me, which is Dave and the founder, or our personalities or our people. So there's all sorts of judgment, agenda, perspective. And look, I respect all that. I'm like Mm -hmm. all in. Media should be media. People should say what they want to say. But what's been hard for me is that I haven't been able to tell my story, our story, or a story in a way that gives me the creative freedom to do it, like, or the space to do it. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I'm working on a podcast. I am. Inter- you heard it here first. Yeah, heard it here first. <laughs> um, I wasn't going to share. Like, I, I, it's not ready yet. Um, and what it's about is that you can be yourself and be successful. I want to interview regular people in their jobs and what they're doing, what makes them tick, like what's funny, what's not funny, uh, what's horrible, what's not horrible, what have they learned, what have they done. Um, We'll do a ton of stuff like that. Like we are creating a part of it's called The Assistants and it's just stories from assistants, which I have to be honest with you, are the best stories in a company. An assistant knows everything about a company. I couldn't agree more. So we'll do things like that. And then... Um, I know who's going to be on there. Your, your, your cute assistant over there. Yeah, Daddy she is on be your She's first my guest. co-host. Yeah. She, is she your co-host? She's my co-host. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I love her. that. The assistance was her idea. So like, that's cool. Like, we're going to do that. That's amazing. Um, I'm doing an episode on women's hockey. So that's a big one, which that's will be a, cool. That's yeah. a good one. Um, so we'll do all sorts of things. I don't know how it's going to go. I don't really know what it's going to be like, but I feel like I have this moment in time and this platform that makes great content. And if I can put something on there that finds an audience, great. We'll keep it. If I don't, I'll kill it. Like, so that's right. That. And, and like, you know, fortunately you have a great, uh, a feel, you have a great platform to try it yeah, out we on, try. right? Like we try everything around here. So like, I maybe like I should anything, do that too. Anything you do though, like, like Barstool, it turns to gold. Like that, your podcast platform is great. Is there one podcast on there that is not, Oh yeah, we print it all the time. Yes, we have, we fail every day. Like I think that's the other thing is that people think like, oh, we like touch it and it's gold. Now, a lot of times we strike gold because I think we understand the internet better than anybody. And we have really supremely crazy, crazy talented people, crazy talented people. And I think if you have crazy talented people who are smart and hungry and given the space to create, like Mm -hmm. anything can happen. Um, But we we have a lot of bombs. Like we have a lot of dogs around. Like things don't work all the time. Podcasts, wow. videos, radio shows, blogs, business ideas, t-shirt ideas, partnerships. So, you know, we we just try to have, we're pretty blunt. So we're, you know, if it doesn't work, we you cut it. We cut it. Yeah. And I guess people only see the success, right? Like anything. Yeah, in you life, never right? see the failure. And you, right. you know, frankly, I think people see failure in us more than you see in other places because we don't try to hide failure. Mm-hmm. Um and we're not shy about it. Um but yeah, you only see the success. Like yeah. I don't I, you know, when I go talk to a media outlet, I'm not like, oh Jesus, we had Three really shitty podcasts. Exactly. This was a bomb. You know what I mean? That sucked. Um, But there are things like, you know, we had a show on ESPN that lasted one night. It was very controversial. The cancellation was very controversial. Like, that was a fuck up. We shouldn't shouldn't have done that. Now, I don't regret it. I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change what came out of it. It propelled us to a whole new place. It catalyzed us doing a whole lot of things. But that's just what life is. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. I think that's true. You know, like I was, they say, it looks like to the outside, you guys are, you're successful with everything you guys touch, right? Yeah. But people don't see like every day, the grind. Exactly. The grind. And I feel like it, it, even as you're, even with your success and the company's success, it's still a grind. It's a grind every single day. I mean, it's up at 6am at 
working by 6.45 this morning. See, and I think that that's like a really good message also that people think that once you hit a certain level yeah, of success- Yeah, you like coast. Yeah. Like if we coast, we're fucked. You're so fucked. I have zero interest in that. You're not able to, like no one's able to coast because yeah. it's always like what's next, what's yeah. next, what's next. Best people are always looking next. Absolutely. Well, you've been a delight. Thank you so much. <laughs> this this is, is fun. This was great. Thank you so much for coming you're on. You're welcome. Because I know you're you're slammed here. We're at the Super Bowl, like you're saying, and you have a party like in a few hours. Yes. Yeah. It's cool. It's been amazing Thank meeting you, you so finally. Much. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's believe me. Come on again. All right, I will. Good luck on your podcast. Okay, thank I'm gonna come you. on your podcast. Yeah, you are gonna come on my podcast. Okay, good. All right, thank you. Thank you. Tell everyone. Oh, are you you don't you don't do social media like for yourself, do you? Oh yeah, I'm all over it. Am I all over social well, media? Well, we do myself? Twitter. I do Twitter. I have an Instagram. Okay, just look at you know, okay, she's the CEO of Barstools, Erica Nardini. If you want to follow her, you know how to do it. Yeah, you can find me. You can find you. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Okay, cool, thanks. Habits and hustle, time to get it rolling. Stay up on the grind, don't stop, keep it going. Habits and hustle, from nothing into something. All out, hosted by Jennifer Cohen. Visionaries, tune in, you can get to know them. Be inspired, this is your moment. Excuses, we ain't having that. The Habits and Hustle Podcast, powered by Habit Nest. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcast.